And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment, excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. JT here in beautiful Vegas. I say that because we got listeners listening all over on the beautiful app the Raiders mobile app and the Raiders have a lot going on Uh, stay close to that Raiders social media app and everything they're doing because they're in the market to make a coaching decision and hire a GM so it's a pretty busy offseason it's a busy offseason but it's been very quiet and today in Chicago we just had Mike North on and there's news in New York New York's the biggest media market they hired a GM they're ready for a coach that's all anybody's talking about in major media markets. And all we've tried to do here on Raider Nation Radio is do it right. All we're trying to do, and I know I could be a little bit gruff, and I'm a little bit rough around the edges, but I'm trying my best to tell you what it's like to be on an NFL flagship. I've done it for 20 years, either in the Bay Area or nationally syndicated having these guys on. They don't let up. So in Green Bay today, they're talking Aaron Rodgers. In San Francisco today, on KNBR 95.7, they're talking Niners. Uh, Down in L.A., they're talking Rams on ESPN 710 and KLAC. We're in Vegas now. We have to get up to speed. This is a 24-7-365 flagship. You know, we don't have overnight radio, and we got a national show in Rich Eisen, and we're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But at this point... We're trying to get Raider fans to react every day. And that would be speculation on regards to who should remain as the coach, Rich Passaccia, your feeling on the head coach if you want someone else, and what should happen with the direction of the GM. Now, I remember when Mike Mayock got the job. When Mike Mayock got the job and it popped, everybody really liked it because he's a TV guy. And everybody knew who Mike Mayock was. If you watch football and NFL Network and you love the draft, Mike Mayock, come on. He's near the top of the food chain. I mean, fantastic. And they're able to go out there and bring him in. And I interviewed Mike a number of times in the building on Zoom calls with uh, customers, with the season ticket holders. And he's super sharp because he's a media guy. And so was John Gruden. I tell the story when Coach Gruden started. Coach Gruden didn't know what camera to look into on the Silver and Black show. Literally sat down. 1998 with George Atkinson and myself on the set, and we had to explain to him that that's camera two, just look at that, don't worry about that camera. John Gruden went on to be one of the most successful television analysts in the history of ESPN. Mayock was the same, just sharp when it came to TV and all of that. Raiders aren't getting that with this hire, everybody. They're not getting a guy on TV you're familiar with. They're not getting someone off of Monday Night Football. They're trying to find a GM who can walk into that building. Instant credibility recently, knowing player personnel from an organization that's been successful, most likely, and can take that knowledge and quickly figure out what to do with the contracts, what to do with the roster, and most likely have a voice in the coaching hiring. I would hope that would be the case. That's why I believe this is taking a while, because I think Mark Davis is trying to get the GM right And the GM should have the vision of Mark Davis and what he wants to do. But then you start pulling the trigger on the head coach decision, and the GM is involved with that. 
So that's all that's happening now. Vinny Bonsignor's coming up at four. He wrote a really good article today on the Raiders' list of candidates growing, sorting out the team's head coach and the GM searches. And he went through the fact that Jim Harbaugh, Vinny believes, is still potentially in play. What that means is his name is out there. He hasn't said he has no interest, and the Raiders haven't said they have any interest. But as Vinny wrote, Michigan's Jim Harbaugh being paired with general manager Ed Dodds, the former Raiders personnel department intern and current assistant general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, that's something he's writing about. The creation of that power tandem took a potential step forward Wednesday when the Raiders officially met with Dodds about their general manager vacancy. His connection to Harbaugh goes back to the early 2000s when Harbaugh was the Raiders quarterback coach and Dodds was learning under the late Al Davis. But as Vinny said, it's guesswork, trying to decipher to what extent their time together would have any effect on the future. Then, as I turn the page, because I have a real newspaper in front of me, Vinny wrote something that really jumped out at me. He said, meanwhile, Harbaugh continues to hover along with Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. Both Mayo and McDaniels have ties with Ziegler. And if you're going down the road of another GM candidate, Ziegler could be the guy that the Raiders are interested if they want to go down the road of the Patriots. And remember that I told you a couple of years ago the plan of the Raiders was to have the principles of the Patriots. A head coach like Belichick with extreme power, Gruden, and to find a way to take those pieces and beat Kansas City. That was the plan. Uh, Vinny wrote on the coaching front, Basaccia is still in play, along with Patriots inside linebacker coach Gerard Mayo. He interviewed Tuesday. Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive coordinator Todd Bowles is interviewing today. So and when we look at this Todd Bowles potential, and he's having the interview right now, I, I would agree, I think. It's tough to turn down a guy like Todd Bowles because he's got experience. He's been a head coach before. He's on the staff of the world champions currently. That's a big name out there. But do the Raiders want to go in a defensive direction with their head coach? I like the defensive staff that's in play, especially Ron Mollis and Gus and what Gus is trying to do. I like Gus's energy and the coaches. I'm friends with the offensive coaches on the team, so I recuse myself because they're my friends. I do a lot with the Bolitnikoff Foundation with Greg Olson. I know him as a human being, a dad, a husband. Johnny Morton, I think, is a fantastic mind, brilliant mind. Been in the league with Drew Brees, Colin Kaepernick, Harbaugh, Gruden, Basaccia. So there's, there's a lot of experience on this Raiders coaching staff. Uh, one of the many strengths of this 10-win Raider team, I thought, has been the coaching. Rod Marinelli. You know, the names you talk about. Tom Cable's been doing this for a while. So you hear a lot of names that you're familiar with, but does Mark Davis want to go in that direction? I opened up the show, which I believe is a big deal. It's almost, it is a done deal, according to Schefter and Tom Pelissero. It looks like the Broncos made their hire. They'll go with Nathaniel Hackett, and he'll be their new head coach. And a lot of people like myself believe that that should be alarming to Raider fans because he has connections to Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know of anybody else thinking Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere other than Denver. So if Aaron Rodgers wants to make the move out of Green Bay, would Denver be the right choice? Nathaniel Hackett is the newest Denver Bronco head coach 
to try to fix their same old offensive problem, which is a headline at ESPN. And they need offensive help because they don't have a quarterback. And if he can help recruit Aaron Rodgers, that would be a big deal. So I think that's an important breaking news story today. I actually think that's the biggest story is the Broncos in the AFC West with the Raiders made a coaching hire. And I'm not getting enough reaction from Raider fans out there on how important that is to you. Because if I can't get your reaction on the Broncos hiring a head coach, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. Because that's right here in the division, and that's the only team that the Raiders seem to have the answers on. They swept them the last two years. That's the reason why Vic Fangio was fired. I believe Vic Fangio was fired due to the Las Vegas Raiders sweeping them back-to-back seasons. If he split with the Raiders, I think he keeps his job. Denver's done okay against the Chargers in Kansas City. It's the Raiders that haunted Denver the last two years, and they hate the Raiders in Denver. And they're embarrassed by it, so they, they, they hire a new coach. They hire a new coach. So where do you put that on your level, your Richter scale, as I like to say on radio? On a scale of 1 to 10, Denver hiring a head coach, where do you stand with that? I don't know until I hear from you, but to me, it's about a 7. 7.5, and whenever you hear earthquake 7.5, people get damn nervous. Denver hiring a head coach with strong, strong ties to Aaron Rodgers gets my attention. Yesterday we had on Warren Moon. Today Willie Rofe kind enough to check in with us, one of the greatest offensive tackles all time. New Orleans and Kansas City, both those teams are in the news. Willie, thank you so much. It's an honor to talk to you. Let's begin as an offensive lineman watching Mahomes and Josh Allen going back and forth last weekend. What were you thinking? I was thinking, man, I've never seen anything like this, man. When, uh, my my wife showed me when Kelsey told him the scene was open and they hit – they hit Tyreek on the one mm-hmm. play, and then Kelsey made the big play. But he told him it was open because they, you know, it's hard to change those defenses when they when they, especially that last thirteen seconds. But it was explosive, and man, that Josh Allen and, and Mahomes, like I heard the commentator say, they could be going at it the next decade. Uh, it's a lot of fun, fun to watch. I mean, it it, it, it questions the defense, but uh, how good the defenses are when they start getting getting going like that, but. Uh, I mean, there's some outstanding athletes, and uh, the evolution of the quarterback is what I was thinking about. I was thinking about those old AFC shootouts back in the day when they were throwing the ball, and the way these guys can run and throw and sidearm and underhanded and just the angles they can throw from, the evolution of the quarterback and the athlete. And you, you see Kansas City, it used to be the six six four six five receiver. Mm-hmm. Now everybody wants a lot of Tyreek Hills, even at the running back position, at the receiver position, or you have a Debo that can run and you're the receiver and a running back. So the football game is evolving a lot. Yeah, well, yeah, I agree with that. And you know Elway and Jim Kelly and your friend Warren Moon. I mean, they could all sling it back in the day, mm-hmm. and you were one of the all-time greats to ever play, but now – you could just see quarterbacks with the arm angles and especially getting the ball out quick and the up-tempo of it. That, that's what fascinates me about Mahomes, how quickly he can run a play, how quickly they can get downfield in 13 seconds. And back in the day when you played, if you, if you left someone great a minute left on the clock or a minute and a half, it was one thing. But now we're talking about 13 seconds, Willie. 13 seconds, two plays. I mean, in, yeah. In, 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 
I mean, I don't know what you do. I mean, when you spread them out like that and you have, you know, you have the extra DB in there, a linebacker that can cover. Uh, I mean, these guys are so fast and so quick out of the break. And then you saw Tyreek on that one play. I mean, as soon as he got even with the guy, he was gone. So, I mean, you got Tyreek, you got Pringle, you got uh, Hardman, you got Kelsey. I mean, it's just, it's one weapon after another. And then you had the young young man, uh, the receiver that had the, had the four touchdown game. It reminded me too a little bit of that. Uh, we made it to the playoffs in 2000, and Joe went, Joe Horn went down, and Willie Jackson had three touchdowns, and we beat the Rams. Uh, McCarthy was the coordinator, and uh, that that young man came in there and stepped up and had four touchdowns, so he had an all-time day, and they still lose the game. Gabriel Davis absolutely had one of the greatest games of all time. Hall of Famer Willie Rofe is our guest. Willie, what'd you think of Sean Payton stepping down? A lot of people think he'll come back and coach. He's got one Super Bowl. Jerry Jones seems to be enamored with him over the years. Does it look to you like that's just a break, a guy who needs to take a step back because the sport is so demanding and intense? Or do you think TV could be the road for him in the future? What do you think? I think he's probably thinking, let me try this TV thing out for a while mm-hmm. and let's see what happens. And if, and if Jerry if Jerry's going to come come get him, First of all, he's going to have to get the Saints a boatload of money, and then he's going to have to get Sean Payton a boatload of money. So Sean Payton saw the writing on the wall. You have Teron Austin's contract up. Mike, Michael Thomas hadn't played for a few years. Uh, Drew Brees retired. Uh, you know, you have uh, the quarterback situation in New Orleans. So, you know, I think he, he can make a lot of money commentating, similar or maybe more than he was playing football, and he can sit back and see what happened. Now I heard them say on Skipper's Channel, that they had a deal done in 2019. Mickey Loomis was the GM of both the football and basketball team, and they had, had they let Anthony Davis go. They couldn't let Anthony Davis go to L.A. and let Sean Payton go the same year. So I think if it wasn't for the Anthony Davis trade, Sean Payton might have been in Dallas in 2019. But once Anthony was gone, they couldn't let both leave the city. Hall of Famer Willie Rofe is our guest as we wrap it up. Willie, being a member of the 1990s All-Decade Team and the 2000s All-Decade Team, you're in the Saints Hall of Fame, Ring of Honor, and the College Football Hall of Fame. What was the transition like for you from the Saints to the Chiefs? Because a lot of Saints fans were pretty bitter that that relationship ended and you went to Kansas City and continued your great career. How difficult was that move on you and your family, or did you embrace it? Well, and, and I'm going into Missouri Sports Hall of Fame because yeah. I did with the uh, Chiefs in a couple of weeks. But uh, man, it was uh, it was bittersweet. You know, it, it, it wasn't anything personal with the fans. I had a I had a lot going on in my and some things going on in my personal life, and uh, I needed a change. And uh, to be honest with you, Kansas City was the only team that really offered me a contract. Amazing. So I was coming off the ACL surgery. Remember, they had the expansion draft that year. Charlie Castle was the GM of uh, the Houston expansion team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sully, they said they didn't want to take anybody over 30. I went to see the Dodgers in, in uh, Gainesville because I thought I was going to be in the expansion draft. Well, they said they weren't taking anybody over 30. I was turning 32. They took Tony Baselli, and uh, I ended up at the last hour. I'll tell you a funny story. I was trying to re- – I had a – I had a few, a couple years left on my contract in New Orleans, or they were going to give me a new contract with a with a nice size signing bonus. I canceled both of them out. So the last day, I had till like March seventh or eighth to get traded. I had to go sign a, a, 
a letter or whatever I had to sign saying that I would extend it another 24 hours while we we negotiated a contract, which was all incentive-based mostly. But I had to extend it just to get traded. And I ended up getting traded at the last the last day, at the last I might have signed. I went over there like at 11 o'clock at night. To, Ricky Mueller was there and Mickey mm-hmm. Loomis was there. I went over there like at 11.30 at night. I had to sign it by midnight. And then I got traded to Kansas City. The next day I was in my car driving to Arkansas off to Kansas City, man. And um, I just I just felt like after nine years, which which, which that's kind of the, the mm-hmm. timeline, if you look at Cam and Antonio and some of these real good football players or Hall of Fame guys, I mean, it's that nine-year period. And we won that playoff game in 2000, the first one in the Saints history, so I'm proud to be a part of that. But, you know, uh, I needed a break in that. <laughs> I was building this big old monstrosity house in New Orleans, and I thought I was going to be there, and I was trying to get mm-hmm. married. And I had four kids, and, and I ended up, boom, I moved into a two-bedroom apartment in Kansas City like I was back in college, and uh, <laughs> the rest was history, man. Nasty. I mean, it, it is history, and it was great history in Kansas City. Well-respected, well-loved. Hey, finally, when I went to uh, the Hall of Fame last year, and they had the two classes back-to-back, the Saturday-Sunday class, I went for Coach Tom Flores, who you know, and now I'm hoping that Cliff Branch, who passed away, one of the greatest of all time, he gets in on the senior committee with Dick Vermeil, and there'll be a new class. What does the Hall of Fame mean to you? And going back to Canton and seeing that community and those fans that are in Canton and all those volunteers and being a part of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, what's it mean to you? That, that's my extended family. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, when you enter the Hall of Fame, and those, a lot of those volunteers have been up there for 20, 25 years. So they've been doing this for years. You go have dinner with them. You hang out with them in the hotel. Uh, you know, we've lost a lot of guys the last couple of years, which makes it more important. You know, I was at the Chiefs alumni game this past uh, November, and I didn't know uh, my good friend Curly Colt was sick. And mm-hmm. I found out that day, and I gave him his last – I took his last picture of him and his wife. from. She's from the Civil War New Orleans, Colette, wonderful lady. I took the last picture of him in Arrowhead and drove him back to the hotel. And uh, Curly passed away. And, you know, a good friend of mine, Mr. Sam Jones, the basketball Hall of Fame I met at the golf tournament, passed away. And, you know, our our time is numbered down here on this earth. And uh, Mm -hmm. I thank God for the days, for the the time I have here. And a lot of people dealing with this COVID, different stuff happening to them. And, uh, you know, it's it's just uh, it makes me appreciate it more. If you realize, just like Cliff Branch, well, they put they put Jack Butler in, and and he he didn't get to enjoy it but one year, and he passed away. Right. And, he, and I lost two of my classmates, Ur- Cortez and uh, Doman, God mm-hmm. rest their soul, are gone. So three of our classmates, which was the blue collar class, which will be similar to this blue collar class this year, are gone. So we made a pact when I got in. That we wouldn't miss it, miss one, and I think if you if you talk ever talked to Bobby Bell, I think Bobby Bell's been in the hall for thirty some years or whatever. I don't think he's ever missed an enshrinement because we made a pact to in our classmates that we will honor the hall and make sure we make it up there every year. And, and we and except for the year they didn't have it, I haven't missed one. That's the way you should do it, Willie. I'll let you go if you get into that Hall of Fame. I mean, some people you got a wedding, you got a death in the family. I get it. But to be some of the guys who don't come back, it's shocking to me. I'm like, what are you doing? I, I, you want to be there. You want to see this. 
The fact that you make that commitment to go back every year means everything. Hey, thanks for making time for us. I know you're a busy guy. I really appreciate your comments and everything about the Chiefs in New Orleans in your life. Thanks, Willie. Thank you, man. God bless everybody. Stay safe. God bless you, Willie. Willie Rofe. Wow. Appreciate that, indulging in that conversation. Willie's one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time. And his story is very unique, and I can bring it back to Cliff Branch. I can bring it back to Tom Flores. Charles Woodson just got in. And I don't know what – Charles is a really busy guy, and we're representing him on the radio here with Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. But I have a feeling that Charles Woodson, every chance he has the rest of his life with his wife and his kids, will go back to Canton, Ohio, to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, because when Charles gave a speech, it was – it was miraculous. It was beautiful. He told this story. And then when I saw him afterwards at his party that night and his family and his friends, Charles had his boyhood friends. I'm talking from elementary school, high school with them. He got it as he was walking around with that gold jacket on. Charles gets it. Not There's a lot of Hall of Famers that don't go back. They just don't go because they're making more money signing autographs in a different city. Or they're, they're bitter about this or that. Or they don't like a certain player getting in a class. It's your job as a Hall of Famer to go back and represent your team, your legacy, and your sport. And I've been privy to some a lot of cool things at the Hall of Fame throughout my career with the Raiders, and I don't think I'll be more excited than any other time. I was excited for Charles Flores. I emceed Ken Stabler's event for, for Cliff Branch. The Cliff Branch event, to me, is a game-changer in Raider history. Because he's Mark Davis's best friend. And he died unexpectedly. And Mark's hurting. The Davis family, Mrs. Davis, everybody around the Raiders worked so hard to get Cliff here. And they shouldn't have had to work hard. Cliff should have been here already. Everybody knows that. Every, everybody in the Raider Nation, everybody in the Hall of Fame knows that Cliff Branch is next. And you shouldn't have to thread the needle. It should have been done already. But I'm asking every Raider fan when that announcement comes, and it's coming real quick here, right before the Super Bowl, that every Raider fan go out, buy a bottle of Woodson bourbon whiskey, and toast it to Cliff. And on top of that, book a hotel room in Canton, book an airline ticket or drive in, and be there when Cliff Branch's name is announced in Canton, Ohio, and make it the loudest Raider Nation roar since last year with Charles Woodson and Tom Flores. All right, Solomon Wilcox is supposed to join us here coming up. He's got a pretty busy schedule, and we're taking your phone calls next, I promise. Show got away with a couple of interviews. I want to get you up. Dial now on the GM. Who's your leader in the clubhouse for the GM, even though the clubhouse is locked and there's blinders down and no one can see in? Who do you want for the GM going forward right here on Raider Nation Radio? Empty shotgun look. Stafford has it. Again, a four-man rush from the Buccaneers. Deep drop. Big throw. Down the right side. Cooper cuts all alone. He caught it at the 30 to the 20. Cuts inside. 10-5. Touchdown, Cooper Cup. Touchdown, L.A. What a year Cooper Cup's had. JT, back with you as we continue. Thanks to Willie Rope, the Hall of Famer, for coming on. Warren Moon yesterday. Thrilled to have these great guests and a frequent guest for us. 
Solomon Wilcox joins us, former Bengal, Emmy Award-winning broadcaster. And Solomon, I've been interviewing you for decades, and now we get a chance to talk about your Bengals on a deep run to the AFC Championship game. How much are you loving this? Hey, miracles do happen, right, JC? <laughs> here we are. And uh, glad to be here. <laughs> I'll tell you, I watched this team twice, you know, with me in Vegas with the Raiders. They beat them comfortably in Las Vegas. And in that game in Cincinnati, Raiders had the ball very late with an opportunity to tie it. Better team won. Cincinnati deserved it. Then Cincinnati goes into the belly of the beast in Nashville, takes the crowd out of the game. Tannehill turns it over three times. Do you feel like the momentum is there to continue to shock the world? Absolutely, and the way they started that game on defense when Jesse Bates intercepted Ryan Tannehill and then on Tannehill's very last pass of the game, Eli Apple, of all people, right, get a hand in there, and Luke Wilson intercepts Tannehill on his last pass of the game. So I think we learned something that if you're quarterbacking in the postseason, it's better to be sacked nine times than it is to throw three interceptions because the quarterback who was sacked nine times like Joe Burrow was, he he turned away to be the winner. So it was a very interesting game, and you and I both know there are a lot of different ways to win football games in the NFL. I've been waiting for Mixon to get going again. Chase is a guy who can give you 160 yards, two touchdowns. He can give you everything you need in a championship game. And we've seen enough of Burrow and how great he's played. But Solomon, it jumped out, nine sacks. He could have got hurt on four or five of them. I mean really hurt. You can't have a quarterback being run down that way. What changes? I don't think Kansas City has the pass rush that we saw from the Titans in Nashville. But what concerns you about the Bengals' O-line? It always has concerned me. That's why many people coming into the season wanted the Bengals to take an offensive tackle, um, you know, to solidify the protection of their most prized possession, which is Joe Burrow. When they drafted Jamar Chase, we were ecstatic because we weren't going to quibble, right? We knew how good Jamar Chase was, but yet still the problem remains. You have to protect Joe Burrow. He was the most sacked quarterback during the regular season. So, it reared its ugly head against a team like the Titans with Jeffrey Simmons, who was that dominant. But at the same time, Joe Burrow has proven something, JT. He's an outlier. What quarterback do you know can lead the league in completion percentage, lead the league in yards per pass attempt, lead the league in quarterback passer rating, but yet you're the most sacked quarterback in the league? So he can overcome um, the situation with this offensive line. He's done it time and time again. I don't know that you can expect it. Uh, that's why we call it being above expectation. But that just goes to show you how good Joe Burrow really is. Solomon Wilcox is our guest, the former safety from the Bengals, Vikings, Steelers, his career. There's some great video I see. Hey, they, you retweeted a video of you at the Coliseum against the Raiders back in 91 of you making a big play there on the big tight end. And we've been waiting for more of those Bengal highlights to retweet. And now we have them. I, I got to slide into what I think is a big topic, Solomon, is what happened with 13 seconds to go. What did Leslie Frazier and, unfortunately, Sean McDermott show the Bengals on now how to defend Tyreek Hill and Kelsey? Somebody on the Bengals better be at the line of scrimmage with their hands on those guys and not let them run free like a deer in the forest where they get a 15-yard head start. Yeah, you've got to you um, arrest 
there are pathway down the field. You can't give receivers free release for a free release. You can't allow them a free release over the middle of the field. The best defenses and the Bills, you got to go back and look at them all season long. They were one of the top defenses in the National Football League. Their secondary is one of the best in the NFL year in year out. And uh, but they didn't close off the middle of the field in those final seconds of regulation. They allowed pre-release by Travis Kelsey, and he was able to make a play. Then Tyreek Hill, he was able to make a play. The Bengals played very well Week 17 against this group, especially in the second half. They came back from a 14-point deficit, JT, three different times in the game. They were down 14 nothing, then they were down 21-7, then they were down 28-14, and they just kept coming back. They got necessary stops on defense. And the offense continued to put up huge numbers. If you thought Gabriel Davis played well against the Chiefs defense, Jamar Chase, Week 17, had well over 200 yards receiving, 266 to be exact. Oh, man. And and big-time explosive touchdown plays. Three touchdown receptions on that day of 75 yards, 69 yards, and 18 yards for touchdowns. So they, they know this Chiefs defense very well. Solomon Wilcox joins us. So make the adjustment for me as an Emmy Award-winning broadcaster. Cincinnati puts up those numbers. Kansas City looks at the tape all week and says, all right, we're going to do what? Take Chase out of the game with a shell over the top, a double team? What should Burrow be looking for differently that will give the Bengals an advantage the second time around? Less blitzing, more drop. They're going to rush three, and they could drop eight defenders in cover. They can rush four and drop seven. But Steve Spagnuolo learned, remember, on third and 27, with the game on the line tied at 31 apiece, he tried to blitz Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase connected on a 30-yard catch on third and 27. And Joe Burrow is the number one rated quarterback when pressured and when blitzed. And so what you need to do is fake like you're blitzing and then pull everybody back. And if they do that, it forces um, it forces them to hold on to the ball. It allows your pass rush more time to get there. That means um, Jared Reed, that means Chris Jones, they're going to have to find a way to get to the quarterback. Okay? They have mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Um, and I think you drop more in, in coverage and uh, expect your front four to win. That's, that's the only way uh, that you can play. And you're going to have to play maybe more zone than man. But if you blitz Joe Burrow, it's proven you're going to pay. All right, Solomon, last one, knowing the Bengals the way you do and traveling all over the country, what is going to help this brand? I mean, if you make a run to the playoffs or a Super Bowl every 30 or 40 years or you do something pretty productive, this is a team that's been buried by the success in the media, I'm just talking, by the Steelers and what John Harbaugh's done with the Ravens, with Ozzie making that a great team since Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and even before that. So they've been – those have been Cincinnati teams. That Cincinnati's looking up to those teams and losing a lot of ground with the media. Now they're back. They're better than the Steelers. They're better than Cleveland, obviously with Baker Mayfield, and what we're seeing with Baltimore. How do they sustain this? What's happening that you're most proud about going forward with this organization? Is that they're a young team who follows – um, to the drumbeat that's laid down by Joe Burrow. You know what he said after beating the Raiders in that playoff game, before the Titans game, many of the 
uh, media members were asked, why didn't he celebrate with his cigars, trademark cigar after the Raiders game? And he says, because he did it after the AFC championship and after clinching the AFC um, championship uh, in terms of the division round. He said he did it then because they hadn't done it in a long time. It was a division win. He said, but he said, this is the standard now. He said, get used to this because we're going to be doing this from here on out. People just kind of like, whoa, like, well, how would a young player ever say that? But that's the expectation. He said, this is the new standard. Get ready to play in the playoffs every single year. And I think it's that consistency. That's what is going to be different. That's what's um, the sustainable part. It's his energy. It's his focus, his attention to detail, um, his ex- expectancy in terms of um, the ability to put the work in and expect to win each and every week. And I think everyone else is following that drumbeat. Everyone in that locker room, everyone in the organization, the entire team and the entire town. They are they're rolling with Joe Burrow. This guy's a true winner. You saw it against the Titans. No matter how much he gets hit, he keeps getting back up and he's going to keep balling. It's, he's a different kind of cat, JT, I'm telling you. Well, thanks for rolling with us, Solomon. Always good to talk to you, especially with the Bengals this deep into the playoffs. We'll do it again pretty soon here. Hope to catch up with you at the Super Bowl. Thanks a lot. You're the best, my friend. Keep up the good work. You got it. Solomon Wilcox, appreciate his time. Again, he played He played well for the Bengals back in the day. He played in that 91 playoff game and made a big tackle at the Coliseum against the Los Angeles Raiders. 91. And go back, and he's been a really successful broadcaster ever since. That's what happens on the show. You know, Willie Rove. Solomon comes on. We're working. I'm working two shows a day. National show at night. This show, we got a lot of people that can't join me live at night. They'll join me here. We'll get people that'll come in here. If they're good, we'll play a piece of it at night. I'm trying to juggle all these balls with Bobby here today. Fantastic job because I didn't know what we were doing today. (laughs) I didn't. I knew what we were doing with the GM search. But again, I told you, it's going to get lean on certain days when there isn't Raiders breaking news. And I pivot to the AFC and the NFC Championship game or the Golden Knights or whatever we can do to keep the show up-to-date, informative, and entertaining. Passionate Raider, appreciate you holding. Thanks for getting us through that. Go ahead. Yes, sir. JT, great show today, man. Way to line it up, man. Hey, I don't know if you heard me last night, JT, but, man, I gave you a a shout-out yesterday, man, when your son called, man. That really hit my heart, too, man, because I'm a dad like that, too, man. I get get emotional, and that was a – just a sad day, but it was really cool to see to see that happen, man. I, I like to be able to hear that. But I just also heard JT that we're bringing in Josh McDaniels now. For uh, there's a there's a something out on Twitter about we're bringing McDaniels in for a head coaching interview, and he's supposed to be the number one candidate. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't I, I don't know what I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I just read it about two minutes ago. So, yep. I don't think that that's I don't think that's a wise move, JT. But you know, it is. I, I'm still gonna have faith, man. Always repping, never half-stepping, JT. Great show today. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, yeah, that kind of blew my mind when I just seen that about McDaniels. Yeah, I was going to get to that after I was done with my interview with Solomon. The Raiders, according to Ian Rappaport, have put in a – thank you for the call. He put in – the Raiders have put in a request to interview Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator, for the vacant head coaching job. The hope is he interviews on Friday, and he is considered now the top candidate. More from Ian Rappaport, Raiders owner Mark Davis, has had interest in Josh McDaniels for weeks. Hard to imagine he puts in the request 
without believing McDaniels would take the job. This all gets real tomorrow. That was just down the pipe there from Ian Rappaport over the last 8 to 17 minutes. Look, we always knew that Mark Davis is going to interview as many people as possible. This is a massive decision. This is his biggest decision since the recruiting of John Gruden to become the head coach. And they're following protocol in the building, and they're interviewing Todd Bowles, Josh McDaniels. Rich Passaccia had his interview, and we're going to see how this plays out. But Josh McDaniels is a big name. Uh, The success he's had with New England as a coordinator with Tom Brady under Bill Belichick is really second to none in this league for well over a decade. The question is, is it a fit with the Raiders going forward with the quarterback and what they want to do? So that is news. I'm sure Q will be all over it. Vinny, a story just broken from Ian Rappaport the last 8 to 17 minutes here. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. We'll get more on this, what this could mean, and all the other news. Ian Rappaport an hour ago, the Saints are now... In full coaching search, Dennis Allen, the favorite, to eventually get it, the former Raider head coach. And the Dolphins have narrowed their search with plans to have second interviews early next week with two of their top candidates. My agent has a great relationship. I think he does. I think that they would say that we do a good job of communicating, um, you know, back and forth about a lot of things. You know, and Lord knows there's been a lot of things to communicate about, right? Um, and I, I think that, you know, when the time comes, I never want to face to face, you know, do that. I'm going to play quarterback, you know, uh, but my message will be talked about, you know, and they'll talk about it and they can do what they want and all that kind of stuff. You know, they're always honest and, uh, you know, and they'll talk about it and they can do what they want and all that kind of stuff. You know, they're always honest and uh, forthright. So I'm not going to go and have dinner and say we have to do something. I'm not that guy. Derek Carr, JT, back with you. Tom Pellicero at NFL Network. The Raiders put in a request to interview Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels for their head coaching job per source. And that was also 20 minutes ago as NFL Network is breaking that story. So we'll see what happens here tomorrow. Short show for me tomorrow for one hour as I have a Raider event at Allegiant Stadium. I have the honor of MC and Q. We'll pick up that other hour, and then we put our plans together for the Super Bowl. Quickly on Josh McDaniels, uh, he, he coached. And remember, he went to John Carroll College, if anybody can look into that. Uh, He's the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. For those who are new to the show, he has won six Super Bowls, six-time Super Bowl champion as a coach. Uh, Everybody remembers his start with the Patriots, a personnel assistant back in 2001. Raider fans remember 2001, tuck rule, right around that time. Then he became a defensive assistant for 2002 to 2003, the quarterback coach in 2004, Then the offensive coordinator for the Patriots from 2005 through 2008. In 2009, he became the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Remember Tim Tebow winning the playoff game. Then he went to the offensive coordinating position after he was let go to the Rams. Came back to the Patriots in 2012, where he's been there ever since, again, as the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. 
six-time Super Bowl champion. He began his coaching career as a graduate assistant at Michigan State in 1999 under guess who? Nick Saban. Nick Saban. And then the Belichick-Saban tree there. 702-365-9200. Raider Hobby in the Bay Area. You're up next. What's happening? Hey, JT, how's it going? I'm out here. Specifically from uh, Newark, representing Newark, California in the Bay Area. Thank right you. Next to Appreciate it. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to chime in on the whole Rodgers uh, situation and the rumor and him, you know, possibly going out to, to Broncos and us as Raider fans having to freak out. Man, honestly, Raider fans or, or the Raider organization can only control so much, right? And they need to worry about what they can control. Um, in my opinion, Rodgers' ego and him being, you know, regular season Rodgers and MVP Rodgers during the regular season, but not being able to do it in the postseason with all the tools that he's, that he's been given, all the weapons he's been given. I mean, why be so worried? Carr actually wants to be here. He wants to be a Raider. He's, you know, he's, he's committed to the team. And get get him Adams. Why is nobody talking about Adams? So what happens with Rodgers? Because Adams, Rogers can, Adams is under, because Adams can be franchise tagged with a blink of an eye for cheaper to stay in Green Bay than it would be. Here, don't you think? I think if you reunite him, let's say it's not Adams, right? Let's say it's a a top caliber wide receiver that Derek Carr obviously needs. Now we're having a different conversation. We don't have to sweep all our opponents in the AFC West. We can Mm -hmm. split with them. We can make ourselves respectable at home and still make a run into the playoffs with with Carr because he's been proven to do that with subpar defense, subpar offensive weapons. And, you know, now this this, this whole rumor shouldn't get Raider fans so riled up because the 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 odds of us landing Rogers anyway are low, so wherever yeah, I goes, would agree. We'll him. I, I would agree, my friend. I'm not telling. Him, right? Appreciate the call. We're not telling people to panic. We're just making you aware that if Aaron Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, not now in the entire league, he's lost some playoff games. Ken Stabler lost some big playoff games. Great quarterbacks lose games. Rodgers is brilliant. He still has. I believe he's got two. MVP-type years left, and maybe a third or fourth playing at a high level. If he goes to Denver, Denver will be vastly improved. That's all I'm saying, and that's they're in the same division as the Raiders. We've all seen Justin Herbert. There's no more speculation if Justin Herbert's going to be great. He's already great. You hear what I said? He's already great, and he's just starting his career. He hasn't even started his prime. So we're just keeping you up to date here with some news in the AFC West. Raider Mac in Los Angeles. What's happening, Mac? Hey, JT. Hey, love your show, man. And thank, thank you. you Appreciate for, it. for the show. And I remember you back in 95 on the Smack Off when you won it. Man, yes. <laughs> you didn't came a long way, man. I appreciate you. Thank hey, you. Hey, JT, if Aaron Rodgers go to the Broncos, we, you know we're going to have the fourth best quarterback in that division. Yeah, I, but I, that's easy to say. I mean, Derek being I mean, the fourth there, if he's the fourth best, when I, I don't think Derek would be the fourth worst. I think Derek is fantastic. Does that mean if De- Derek went to the NFC North, he would be the best quarterback? It's how you slice it and dice it, but Derek could right. hold his own against anybody in the AFC West. Yeah, I, uh, I, I disagree with that because Patrick okay. Mahomes and and. and... And Herbert is on the, uh, uh, they're on another mm-hmm. level. But I, well, my question to you, uh, JT, is why are we trying to, uh, why are we trying to get rich Versace the head coach job? I think everybody's playing with emotion. Yeah, he did a great job, but we need to do long term. We keep on with this. You know, that's why I love the Steelers. Or I respect the Steelers organization is because 
they had three coaches because they 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 just, they don't keep trying to recycle coaches. We need to get a coach and stick with him for at least five. The Raiders were sticking with John Gruden for 10 years. The Raiders didn't blow up the John Gruden mess. What happened there with Coach Gruden? Appreciate the call. The Raiders aren't. Raiders weren't looking for any turnover. Something happened that was unexpected, and now they're interviewing people that might be candidates for the head coaching position. Again, every chance I get, Rich Passaccia did more than you think. He did more to keep that team together, coach him up, have him ready to play. He deserves consideration to be the permanent head coach of the Raiders. I don't know if he's going to get it. That's a Mark Davis decision and the few people he's consulting with. We all know that. We're going to act accordingly and wait and see what happens here with these interviews coming up. But Rich Passaccia should feel confident, proud of the job that he did because everybody knows he did a really good job. And whatever direction the franchise wants to go in is going to be the direction they go in. We're going to have to get behind it. Or you might disagree for the first couple of weeks on the radio. If Coach Passaccia stays or, unfortunately, if he leaves, you're all going to have opinions, and we're going to listen to him here on Raider Nation Radio. Thanks to Bobby who put the show together. And, uh, oh, we got another one, Bobby said. Add James and Henderson. Why not? Why say goodbye when you got James? Hello, James. Hey, how you doing, JT? Good. Hey, I just got a few comments. Uh, mm-hmm. People don't know the Raider history. So when we had Stabler, we had Plunkett, we had uh, the, the Bad Bomber. We didn't care about what other quarterbacks were in the league. I don't care who they get. The Raiders beat them teams that make our legacy that much greater. I would agree. You beat the best teams in football, your legacy gets better. I thought the Raiders were better than the Cincinnati Bengals. I thought they had a better roster. I thought they were going to beat them in the regular season and the postseason. They came up short. That's well, another team. What a true Raider is, they don't run from nobody. We're not scared of nobody. That's our no. MO. Yeah, we're not saying be scared. We're just thinking about what's happening in the sport. Appreciate your call. No one, no one gave the impression that the Raiders should be scared that Nathaniel Hackett was hired as Denver, is about to be Denver's head coach. We think it's concerning if Hackett is the bridge to bring in Aaron Rodgers. And obviously you do too because you called me. And a lot of people tweeted at me today from that. Speaking of tweets, I got a brand new podcast that's up with my podcast partner, Tom Looney. We talk about everything from the Supreme Court to sports gambling in Vegas and a lot of other topics. We think you'll love to listen 40 to 45 minutes once a week. You can get it at JT the Brick on Twitter. Big show tomorrow, short one for one hour. And we'll see what happens. A lot brewing in the Raider Nation for sure. And you'll get all that coverage right here with Q. Coming up next, Raider Nation Radio. Thank you, everybody.